Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Hey everybody, and thank you for joining me. This is Richard Listens, and this is the Richard Listens Show. I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I'm grateful for all the wonderful contributions and guests we've been having lately. Thank you again to all my subscribers, for all of you who've been signing up for email lists, signing up on our Patreon.com page to support the show, patreon.com slash Richard Listens, Instagram at Richard Listens. Please tweet at me, Instagram, Facebook, sign up, subscribe, and listen. Please take the time, send this to two friends that you think might like the show. Without further ado, I'm going to be inviting on shortly my guest today. Well, first of all, I'd really like to say how excited I am, especially because Richard is a psychologist, that I am also seeking my doctorate in psychology as well. So that's kind of exciting for me to be able to talk alongside one as well. But with my journey itself, I started out, I'm from Fargo, North Dakota, small town in North Dakota. Actually, it's the biggest town in North Dakota, but still very small. We don't kill as many people as you might <laughs> Thing, but we try to keep that to a minimum. But I grew up there. I did mostly gymnastics and wrestling throughout my high school career. And then I went on to do wrestling in college at Minnesota State University, Mankato, uh, where I wrestled and started there for a few years. Uh, in the 2012 year, I tried out for the Olympics in Greco-Roman wrestling. I was unsuccessful, obviously, and that was kind of my retirement party. After a few years of just relaxing and just taking time off from sports. I kind of eased my way back into the fitness realm, doing CrossFit and competing in that. After a little while, I became a little frustrated with the competition side of CrossFit and shifted my focus more towards uh, Olympic weightlifting. And that's been my focus for the past few years. Olympic weightlifting consists of two different lifts, the snatch and the clean and jerk. In competition, you're 
you're allowed to do three lifts in each of those two lifts. And your highest number in each lift combined goes towards your total. And that's how they determine placement. The weightlifters back in the day had dirty minds as well. They were not happy with me last week. They left me on the carpet last week making fun of me, thinking I was making up these terms. <laughs> right. So, so Brian, so we ran through that real quick there. So now wrestling, was it like, were you interested in athletics? Like, how did you come to that uh, decision early in life, primarily to get into wrestling? Started very early in my life, both gymnastics and wrestling. I started around age three or four. Uh, my father wrestled in college, so that was his choice. And my mother decided on gymnastics, so that was their compromise. I would do both, and I just fell in love with both of them. Wrestling took over purely because my gymnastics coach at the time moved away, and so I was just left with wrestling, which dominated the rest of my athletic career at that time. Now, Greco-Roman wrestling is a lot more like throwing people. Is it a lot harder at a shorter stature to compete in, or are the rules the same? Uh, it can depend. There are advantages and disadvantages to both. Taller guys tend to have better levers, being a little bit easier to uh, make some throws, but shorter athletes tend to be able to maneuver a little bit more quickly, do different techniques such as duck-unders, pass-bys, things like that, uh, where they can have the advantages. A mixed bag of who has the advantage depending on who's able to their technique work for the match. And you mentioned your dad Ed was a college wrestler. We know how much a parent who's been an athlete can influence. Did he ever take on coaching or we've seen some of the photos with him in your corner? Uh, yes. Although his website looks like he's much more interested in nature photos these days. So He is. He, uh, he's kind of enjoying that right now. But yes, he, uh, he was always my coach throughout most of my career. In high school, he was even in my quarter, even sometimes in my college matches, he managed to get in there. He was definitely the biggest influence in my wrestling career and was always my coach and always was at every single one of my competitions. I'm not even sure if he ever missed a single one, to be honest. How do you make that shift into something, right? Here's dad's teaching you and you're skilled in something and then all of a sudden something switches. You decided to leap into the unknown. What do you attribute that to? Well, after a tryout for 2012, the Olympic trials, I didn't make the team. I kind of decided that I was going to be done with athletics altogether. It was time to move on. I graduated college. I was going to just, you know, become, you know, another normal person working and living my life without sports. And I was okay with that. I was kind of a little burnt out from doing the whole athletic thing. And so for about two years, I didn't step foot in the gym. I didn't do anything fitness related at all. Then when I decided to try to step back in and just get in a little bit better shape, I entered the CrossFit realm, started getting into that. And then it just kind of grew from there. The only reason I actually picked to, to do an Olympic weightlifting competition was my box donor for the CrossFit gym I was at kind of noticed my frustration with some of the competitive CrossFit events and decided that I would be a good weightlifter. I was strong for my size. I moved fairly well. So she just suggested that I try one out. Maybe I would like that a little bit better. And it just kind of took off from there. A couple of my wrestling buddies said that I would be pretty good at CrossFit. I had a really good engine at the time, a few other things from wrestling. So they said I'd be good at it. And I decided to give it a shot. I picked Olympic weightlifting instead of powerlifting because of my more athletic background. These two lifts are very dynamic in movement. They involve a lot of athleticism and a lot of body awareness and movement that require you to be 
fully aware of everything you're doing. If a little thing hiccups, the whole lift goes away. In powerlifting, it's much more static. You know, it's an easy down and up or just an up and a down. If it's a deadlift, a lot more strength-based, not as much athleticism involved. So with my athletic background from wrestling and gymnastics, big lifts just seem to suit me better than the powerlifting. I also use a cycle periodization as well. It undulates. It's about every three weeks on and then one week of a down week and a periodize. Uh, first starting with more of a hypertrophy sort of cycle, moving into a strength and then usually a peaking. So it's usually about a three-month periodized cycle that I go through. Depending on when competitions are coming up, that can change a little bit, but that's usually my standard. Initially, not at all. I was very poor about my diet. I did it very much based on my past experience from wrestling. It was a very big dive cut where I would lose 10 to 15 pounds within two weeks, if not even smaller amount of time than that. And I would eventually realize that that was draining me of my strength when I got to competition. Now, nutrition is one of the biggest factors that I focus on when I do my training. It's one of the most important things that it comes to my training because I'm on the upper end of my weight class and I need to be able to stay, I should say, stay hydrated, stay a good nutrition program so I don't wear myself out and dig myself a deeper hole trying to work hard without the proper calories. So you don't use any of that like super hydration or anything like that to gain a lot of weights uh, right before competition or, or vice versa? I will do a water cut right before competition. That actually just consists of me drinking more water than normal, which uh, kind of tricks the body into wanting to get rid of all that water and it'll actually do a water cut all on its own. So that'll help me lose about two kilos that way. But that's uh, all I'll do for a water cut. And you make exceptions for birthdays, bro? What happens if someone puts birthday cake in front of you on your way out of kilo for kilo? Well, lucky for me, I do have the cheat day. I actually try to schedule my cheat days as best as I can. It's usually about every 10 days. I'll take a meal, maybe even two, probably pack on a couple uh, extra you know, calories onto each one. Usually it'll look like about 100 carbs more than my normal day, uh, give or take. I'll, you know, enjoy a burger. I'll enjoy pizza, you know, whatever I'm feeling like. But it's important to do stuff like that, I think, because if you don't, it becomes monotonous, becomes boring, and you don't want to do it. And when you don't want to do something, eventually you just stop. And you get out of control pretty quickly. The body wants to find a homeostasis. It wants to find a point where it can just rest and do nothing. And sometimes you have to give it a little extra food to be able to, like, kind of recharge. Maybe the metabolism starts suggesting a little bit more, and then you can go back down into your diet again. But sometimes that refeed meal, that cheat meal, does the body a lot of good, and you can see actual weight loss immediately after that as well. Usually, I'll actually end up, especially after a competition, is when I really get to enjoy myself. I usually just take a whole week off after competition, and I get to enjoy any foods that I want, and so I'll write up a nice big list of all the things that I miss. And then probably by, by halfway through that week, it's no longer interesting anymore. It kind of is interesting how when you romanticize food like that, how 
quickly uh, you bounce back and you don't really want it anymore after it's all said and done. I think there's something to writing down anything, even if it's, uh, you know, vacation. It just gives gives power to it once you put it on paper and takes it out of this kind of lack place of things I'm not doing because I'm training. When you realize you could give yourself yeah. a reward for, you know, training really hard or competing in a competition, but probably along the way, it's an interesting point about your journey, Brian. I mean, you probably get a lot from actually showing up at the competition, especially if uh, your dad is with you. I mean, how much of it is it about the actual result and how much of it is about the experience and how do you keep those separate? Uh, that's really tough, uh, especially with my most recent experience with Worlds back in the end of November, beginning of December there, where I was, as a competitor, as somebody who wants to always do his best, is always uh, results-driven. That's how, uh, you know, I measure success and it's a lot easier to measure success in weightlifting because you just see numbers go up. So it's easy to measure success, whereas other sports such as wrestling, it's harder to measure that because you may be improving, but you still may be taking on losses or maybe even winning, but you don't know that you're getting better. So it's a lot different aspect of training when you can actually see improvement, being more results driven. Now, unfortunately, sometimes competitions don't go exactly how you want, and then it's about uh, the experience and what you can take away and learn from it, uh, which is kind of bittersweet, but most often is the most important uh, part of weightlifting or any sport is to be able to take away from those losses, those times where you don't get exactly what you want or what you wanted, and being able to come back and try to improve on the next time. This is beautiful because this taps into the psychology, which you're a student of, and we want to hear some about that as well. But, right, the ability to process what you're saying, right, to be critical or aware enough to process perceived failure or lack of meeting our goals, right? And so what is your process then? What is, do you have a mastermind? Do you sit down with dad or coach? Do you look at what happened on that given day? Do you say, hey, gee, my guy next to me just had a great performance? I mean, how do you walk that through and do you give it a couple days before you look it over? I absolutely give it a couple days to look it over. For me, especially when I was at Worlds, I, I've become aware that sometimes when I don't meet my own expectations that my mind will race and then I, I can't be reasoned with, I can't be, logic doesn't live in my brain at that time because I'm just overly upset with myself, with my performance. And so sometimes I have to take those few days to relax, to be able to get my head on straight and then to look back and see what I could have done differently, what could have gone differently. Was it really me? Was it something else? Um, and most of the time, you know, you can always find something that you can work on that can be improved. And then you make up a plan to improve those weaknesses and to make sure that hopefully that never happens again. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. 
That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. This is highly competitive. This is unique because you really, it all comes down to that. I mean, what is that? Five, 10 seconds. I mean, I'm sure they give you some time to walk up, prepare your, I mean, how much time do they give you? And is, you know, and is there like one thing that you do or say to yourself to get yourself ready for that intense burst of performance? Cause really it's, it's down to, you know, less than minutes. It is about the same. You take your warm ups in the back when it's your turn, you get one minute to complete your lift. Uh, most of the time, most people will get that one minute clock if you end up actually following yourself you get a two minute clock so it gives you a little bit more time to rest some people can do some movement and stuff like that to try and you know make it so that they have more rest time or somebody else has less rest time or something like that but most of the time you will get that one minute to try and attempt to make it lift. Uh, on the other part of that question where what do I tell myself before I walk out I actually completely tell myself nothing I am completely zoned out the moment that I step up on that stage. Most of the time, I hate to admit this since my coaches probably won't like it, but I don't even hear what they say before I walk on the stage. I'm kind of zoned out into my own little world and I kind of trust my body to know that it knows what to do. At this point, it's been months of training. Nothing that I tell myself is going to change anything for the better. My body already knows what to do and I trust it. Essentially, the point many times, especially when I wrestled, I couldn't tell you anything that happened during the match. I'd have to watch it on video. I learned actually from wrestling to never watch any of my competitors ever. Did mess with my mind way too much. I would see results from uh, other competitions where they lifted a lot of weight or if in wrestling, you know, they beat somebody who I, and they just killed them and I had a hard time beating them and things like that. So I would get immediately intimidated by that person that, well, there's no way I can beat them. They lifted this much on that day and there's no chance. Or if it's right before I lifted and they made their lift. I actually try never to pay attention to any other lifts happening. Just I go out and do my lifts. I'm trying to have the best day that I can have. And if I do that, then there's nothing else that I could have done. There's no way I could have beat that person. If they had their best day, I had my best day and they lifted more. So there's no use in me concerning myself with what they're doing. I just need to make sure that I'm trying to hit the best numbers that I can on that day. So let's let's get this a little bit more difficult for you. Brian, because somebody is going to be Brian, the coach, or Brian, the, the psychologist, working with an athlete. And I appreciate what you said about trusting your body. That's an amazing thing. But you also mentioned before, there are times when your mind might be racing. This is natural, right? You're an athlete. Something happens that puts you in a place where there's some emotional attachment to what just happened, right? Whether it's a big strikeout or whether it's missing my expectation of what my weightlifting progression is going to be or how the weightlift was going to go. So what would you tell? the young weightlifter out there, somebody who's maybe having a difficult time getting that anxiety or restlessness out of their mind and getting back into their training? What's one technique or tool that you might guide them to? That's a, that is a tough one. That's a good question. I, I can kind of relate to this one. That, like I said, at Worlds was not my best performance and I missed my first two lifts and you only get three. And if you don't make one, then you don't get to post a total and you're basically done with the competition. So I had to actually reel it in myself 
yourself a little bit mentally because when your back is up against the wall, it's tough to trust yourself and make that lift. But the one thing that I can suggest to some of the lifters or anybody who's having trouble getting some anxiety walking onto that platform, maybe for the first time or maybe the 50th time, but you're still having that anxiety, is to go through a routine. One of the best things that's helped me calm down because being on a stage with everybody looking at you still can create some anxiety no matter how many times you compete. Is that trying to find a routine, something you can do in the practice room, in the gym that you do every single time that lets you know that everything is okay. Setting up with your feet, setting up your hands, going through your routine for your startup, doing the same sort of walkout when you go onto the platform, whatever it may be. Something that allows you to create a routine uh, that can help calm your nerves because you do that every single time and you feel a little bit more at home when you do that routine. Thank you. Yeah, that's that's a really you know wonderful to, to make it like it's your home to where you're practicing so that you're not focusing on the people watching you and just focusing on it's like another day in the gym. That must get easier for you the more competitions you do or did it get a little bit more challenging now that you're on the world stage? It, it, it's hard to say. I still feel the butterflies when I go on the stage each time. I have just been able to learn that that's a part of what competing is all about. I didn't really feel that as much when I wrestled or even when I was doing gymnastics, but I still get those butterflies now and I've just learned that that's kind of part of the ride. You know, it's, it's just along with me. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean I'm going to do well. It doesn't mean I'm going to do badly. It's just a part of it. And so I still feel those butterflies, not so much in practice. It's gotten a little bit easier to get used to now that I've learned that, you know, it's just kind of, like I said, along for the ride is the best way I can put it. You just kind of adapt and learn from that. Yes, this is kind of the headquarters. I want to say like the centerpiece of Kilo for Kilo. It will be a very large barbell Olympic weightlifting gym along with a fitness strength and conditioning portion as well. Hopefully to bring in many of my athletes I have that are kind of sparse around the city into one spot, get some more athletes in, also trying to attach also a nonprofit to it, hopefully to help bring some kids uh, into Olympic weightlifting a little bit more, which would be great to have some more kids around, see them grow in the sport and even in maybe athletic performance for all sorts of other sports as well. Wow. That's the key. Hopefully get maybe some sponsorships, donations to help us get them trying to set up some sort of transportation probably may be one of the challenges, but hopefully they'll uh, we'll be able to work that out to the nonprofit to help them get to the gym or possibly us uh, entering into their own schools and helping that way. What's your youngest client? How young do you recommend, especially with a healthy development, people getting started? Well, one of the misconceptions about weightlifting and fitness in general is the damage it can do to a child's body, growth plates, things of that nature. That is a misconception. It actually can be done uh, safely and healthily with younger kids. Uh, you asked what one of my younger athletes are. They have actually a girl that is about five, six years old that does some of my strength and conditioning. She, I think the video that you were posting had her in it, actually. And as long as you make it, you know, fun and exciting and they enjoy it. This one is actually Olivia. She's uh, eight or nine years old, I believe. Uh, she's a great little lifter. And as long as you teach them the fundamentals, the technique, and how to safely perform these movements, there's no reason why younger children can't participate in this sport. I was excited about all sports when I was younger. I played tons of other sports. I played football. I played basketball. I tried out hockey for a little while, some other sports uh, in between, but uh, size was always 
generally a factor for me. And so that's kind of how wrestling and gymnastics kind of made their way through. They didn't tend to discriminate as much against the little guy. Obviously, wrestling has those lower weight classes, and gymnasts actually have somewhat of an advantage when they have that shorter stature. Can you remember one time you could share for all our people out there who, you know, are not six foot four and someone sticks a basketball in their hand like me, right? One time when you noticed that it was a strength where somebody said, hey, you can you can do something and you can be elite and not be held back at all, in fact. Well, there was a few. Obviously, my dad and my mother, both of them, were great about telling me that settling doesn't have to happen, that you can succeed. You just need to find a way or find something that you can excel at regardless of what it is. Be good at whatever you do. You know, that kind of idea that whatever it is you do, just try to be the best at it. And so they helped me find that kind of motivation and that kind of attitude moving forward in, in whatever I did. If it was school, if it was athletics, if it was anything at all. If you're, you know, the best computer programmer, try to be the best computer programmer, whatever it may be. And so they were really good about helping me feel that kind of motivation towards anything I did. Is it actually a strength for you to be more compact with your density of strength or weightlifting? Yes, uh, there is an there is advantage to having a shorter stature for weightlifting. Actually, for my weight class that I currently lift in, which is the 56 kilogram weight class, I'm actually considered tall for that weight class. Most coaches would prefer me to move up to the next weight class as a 62 kilogram lifter. I've just decided to stay as a 56 just because as long as I'm excelling in it, I feel that as long as I can make the weight class, it will work out. Unfortunately, the International Weightlifting Federation will be changing the weight classes soon, and so there will be all new weight classes, so there may be a little shift in what weight I will be competing at. I have a small locations. Most of them are within CrossFit boxes, uh, leasing small space, things like that, where I do strength and conditioning and Olympic weightlifting training within those gyms, and then this will be the first one that I basically will own all on my own, independent from any other place. I wanted people to be able to buy what they want, not get a bunch of things that they don't need and pay for everything. So I want people to be able to have access to exactly what they want, what they're looking for, and not be overcharged for it. Obviously, it's been a lot of work. Uh, I know that Richard can probably attest to this, but the, the doctor program does take up a lot of time and energy. So this has been kind of a slow process for me to try to get this thing running because I don't have a ton of spare time. But I am very excited for it to start getting open and uh, start taking on more clients and getting to see people enjoy fitness again. I think it's time for you to interview some marathon runners whose journey takes a lot longer time. Yeah, it is. And, and it's very hard to want to set out and select few people who want to succeed in multiple levels and in multiple arenas of life. And that may mean we don't get the gratification from taking on as many clients all at once. And, and it's hard because the competitor or the person that knows we can um, maybe wants to swing one way or the other. But um, it's a noble journey, as many people have told me, uh, to even think about a PhD and complete it. And then no doubt it can help you in working with the mind-body interaction. Uh, my only question is, does that mean that you're training? Do you step back off it or does it still get worked in? It still does get worked in every once in a while. Some things uh, do tend to interrupt it, whether it be school or other lifters and clients sometimes. But I try to still stick to my regimen as much as possible. Obviously, my goal is the 2020 Olympics. And so we're still building towards that. It's still a long quad. We're only halfway through it. So for this, it's not a sprint. It's kind of a marathon. 
fun sort of thing where we just have to have a very long, well thought out plan to make sure that I have enough time to be able to get my workouts in and still be able to do everything else. You can reach me by going to the website, which is www.kilo4kilosc.com. Obviously, if you find me on Facebook, either the Kilo for Kilo page right there or my own personal page, which is showing I'm pretty quick to respond on both of those pages. Either one, more than happy to answer any questions about anything that I offer. Or if you're looking for something a little bit different, I'm usually pretty accommodating and I can work something. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. Please, if you can, check out my Patreon page.com, patreon.com slash Richard Listens or Instagram. Richard listens. Hey, you get the theme. We appreciate all your support and interest. We're now up on iTunes, Spotify. If you're interested in therapy, teletherapy, any kind of consultation, please don't hesitate to reach out to me through my website, richardlistens.com. I'm happy to help and support in any way through any kind of strain, support, or isolation you are going through. We are here to alleviate strain and suffering. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm Richard Listens, and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.